Welcome to Note Up number 96. Today's episode is brought to you by the letter N and the number 5, because we're talking about Node.js 5.0. Our guests today are Rebecca Turner and Rod Bag. I'm your host, Rich Trott. Rebecca, would you like to introduce yourself? I'm the primary author of the changes to NPM 3 and the current release manager for NPM. Rod, who are you? So I'm just this guy that hangs around NodeUp occasionally. I'm with NodeSource. I'm chief node officer there. I'm a TSC member for the Node project, and I'm a bit of a JavaScript fanatic. And I'm not the host today, which is really nice. I am the host today, and I'm told that I need to introduce myself. So, hi, I'm Rich. I'm a Node.js enthusiast, and I am more or less an okay person. I think it's time to hear from our first sponsor today. DigitalOcean is the best place to get your application off the ground quickly, and the easiest to scale when you find success. Start with the pre-configured Node.js one-click to get up and running in 55 seconds, or build the exact infrastructure you need with root access to servers running 100% SSDs in state-of-the-art data centers around the world. Scale your infrastructure using advanced features like floating IPs for high availability, private networking, and API access for automated deployments. DigitalOcean is the fastest growing cloud infrastructure provider because it's built for developers and laser focused on its mission to create simple and elegant solutions for developers and teams. Visit digitalocean.com and use the promo code NOTEUP on the billing page for a $10 credit to get started today. Welcome back to NodeUp. Whoa, we're on Node.js 5.0 already. What is going on? We just had 4.2 LTS Argon last month. Rod, would you like to explain the situation? Because let's face it, you're going to be talking about the release cycle for pretty much the rest of your life. I don't think we appreciated when we were coming up with the release plan, just how hard it was to communicate it. And we put a lot of work into making it fit all of the various needs, or at least compromise to all of the various needs that all of the node users out there have. But the thing that we didn't consider as carefully was how difficult it was to explain. And that's been evidenced by some of the reactions to the rapid sequence of releases. We had uh, Node version 4 released in, I think it was September, early September. And then we got to 4.2, and that switched over to LTS. And it's going to be relatively stable now. It should be mostly just patch version increments with the occasional minor version increment. So it's focused on stability and security now. And that's going to last for about 30 months from now. So if you want to use Node version 4, you've got the uh, assurance that people are going to be caring about it for a long time into the future. Version 5, on the other hand, is what the stable release branches have moved on to. That's where active development goes into. It's only going to be supported for about eight months. And then we move on to a new stable release, version 6, after that. So in April of next year, we have another planned version. That'll go on for six months and turn into an LTS. So that sounds all very confusing. But the release plan involves having a new stable release every six months, and that's incrementing the major version number. So in October and April of every year, we'll have a new major version bump. And then every second one of those turns into an LTS. So it waits six months as a stable and it just evolves and adds 
you know, features and changes. And then after that six months, it'll turn into LTS, and then we'll have a new, a new stable version in the background going on. So that's what's happened now. The confusing bit is that we compacted the schedule quite a bit to make it work at the beginning of this new schedule. So we wanted to get Node version 4 out. That was the converged release between IOJS and, and, and Node version 0.12. Node version 4 took over from both of those lines, and so the version 4 comes from the fact that IOJS took version 1, 2, and 3, and we didn't want to repeat the version numbers. But we also wanted to make sure we had an LTS branch out fairly quickly, and we wanted those LTS branches to hit October every year, and we chose October because it's more manageable for enterprises to have things before the end-of-year period if they're doing upgrade cycles, and also gives you the possibility of, of upgrading in early in the new year. So it was, we figured that October was actually a pretty good time of year to do LTSs. So we did the convergence, and then we did a LTS pretty quickly afterwards. So that's why we have version 4 and 5 so quickly, and that's why it's so confusing for people. But from now going forward, the release cadence and schedule should be pretty predictable. It'll take time to get used to the fact that this is the new norm. But yeah, we have these active version 4 or 5 now, and hopefully people start to understand what we're doing. Well, I think if you're listening to this and you've not heard the LTS and release schedule stuff before and you're not already familiar with it, you're probably thinking that, wow, they've finally come up with something more complicated than understanding the streams code. But I think as with probably every note up episode from now until the end of time, we should probably just make sure to include a link to the LTS and release schedule materials in the in the show notes so people can go over it slowly and carefully and understand it and have the visual aid of, you know, the calendary thing on there. I also want to answer a little bit of fan mail that's come in. Yes, we have schedules in America. Here we call them schedules because we're Philistines. Is there anything to know about NPM in LTS version 4 before we move on to version 5? The Node 4 LTS is shipping with the NPM 2 LTS. And I would expect that as Node releases new LTS releases, it will be shipping LTS versions of NPM, although I don't know exactly what the plan there is. One of the things about NPM's versioning is that major releases aren't on a calendar cycle with NPM. LTSs are, and the major releases are whenever we need them. So like the next major release is likely to be an, you know, very small set of changes, you know, a small breaking change just for similar reasons, but not because it's like, we don't expect to ever have anything as world changing as NPM3 was again. I feel the same way with Node, where we've come up with this release plan, and it's you know looking multiple years in advance, and we're you know talking about it as if it's the this is the way it's going to be. But the fact is that it's it's kind of hard to predict the future, and we may be forced to do something different. We may have to adapt to, you know, we might might realize that something we've done in this release schedule is is just not optimal, and we may have to change it. So nothing is locked in stone here, and as much as we want to say that everything's going to be stable from now on. We may have to adapt our plan to fit reality in the future. Rebecca, I want to go back to something you said about LTS for NPM. Obviously, if an NPM version ships with LTS, you're kind of stuck supporting that major version for the duration of the node LTS. Is there, in fact, an official LTS designation for NPM, or is that sort of just whatever ends up in node? There is. Yeah, yeah. I've not been working on that. Like, we haven't actually 
shipped a final definition of what the NPM LTS is going to be, although I would expect that to happen shortly. We do have the, the current NPM LTS being version 2. And as far as like how long we'll support it and you know that, that definition being how long we'll support it and how often we expect to have new LTSs. And I don't know what the, the plan there is at this time. But yes, NPM is going to have its own, its own LTS cycle. Okay, we're going to keep having NPM people on the show and keep asking them as the situation on the ground <laughs> evolves. So, all right, I want to know, should I be running Node 5 or should I be running LTS 4.2.x? How do I figure that out? <laughs> I think the answer, it's probably worth getting answers from both myself and Rebecca because we may have different perspectives on it. And I know other people out there in the community have different perspectives. I have heard some people say that Node version 5 is, is particularly targeted at front-end developers, people using Node for uh, front-end tooling. I don't see it that way, but the fact is that version 5 is going to have a quicker release cycle. You'll see releases from version 5 every couple of weeks at least. It's not going to be supported for the long term, so it's going gonna, it's gonna to completely end support after eight, 8 months. And if you're stuck on version 5, then you're, you're out of luck after 8 months, so be careful going into production with version 5 unless you can adapt. You know, version 5 is going to have you know, new features and fixes go into it, it'll be nice. But if you don't have the ability to easily upgrade to version 6 when it comes out, then perhaps consider using version 4, which is going to be much more stable over the long term. So, yeah, that's my way of answering that question. Probably not black and white enough, but Rebecca, what's your take? I totally agree. You know, for my my own development environment, most of the time, I mean, I use lots of different node versions because I need to test across everything that we support. But you know, day-to-day, -day I'm using Node 5. But if I were deploying a server, I would use the LTS. But just because having that stability is... I mean, you, you have, it's, it's always that question of, you know, balancing your new features versus, you know, how often your operations group can do updates and that sort of thing. But, yeah, if I were doing servers, I'd do an LTS personally. And there's a lot of unknowns here as well. We don't know how the community is going to respond to these versions. Uh, it may be that a large enough portion of the community uses version 4 and just wants to support version 4. And you might find your favorite node modules from NPM saying there's something in version 5 that we can't support or don't want to support. We are only supporting LTS. That'll be an interesting thing if that ever happens. There's a lot of people out there that just want to run JavaScript on the server and they don't want to worry about having to regularly update. They don't have to worry about keeping track of what all the changes are that's going into it. And they just want to use version 4 because it's stable. So I think over time we'll learn what, what the split in the community is with this and what the impact is for people who need to make this choice. All right, let's take a break, and we'll be back after hearing from our sponsor. And yet, we're very inspired by the Dreamers. But for certain people, the skills necessary to do portions of their app or product development dream don't come naturally, or at all. And that's where we can come in and help out. We've got folks specializing in design, ops, architecture, security, web, mobile, front-end, back-end, admin, project management, you name it. We are builders of things. It doesn't matter where at in the process. We make things for technologists, and we're very good at building things for others. We've loved helping build apps and tools with folks at AT&T, the Creative Artists Agency, the Flatiron School, and Major League Soccer, to name a few. 
reach out at contact at andyet.com or visit us at andyet.com for more info or just to say hi. From dream to deploy, we're here to help. And yet, the kind and efficient sort of perfectionists. Welcome back. So the morning of the day that Node 5 was to be released, I tweeted a link to a video of a song from Sesame Street called Give Me Five, which was kind of my, you know, Node 5 joke because I'm funny like that. I don't know if Sesame Street is mostly an American thing or not, but it's a children's television show where every episode features a particular letter and number. Anyway, Kat Marchand from NPM responded to the tweet saying something like, lol, ha ha, but then a few hours later she tweeted something in all caps along the lines of, get this damn song out of my head. So here's the thing, I first came across that song like years ago on a Yahoo group, if you can remember what that is, and I started playing it on piano around my apartment, and my spouse had to sit me down and say, honey, I love you, and I love the number five, but for both of those things to continue to be true, I need you to stop playing this song. With that, let's talk about the number five. What's new in Node 5 that wasn't in Node 4? What do people want to know about? If you look at the changelog, and we'll put a link to the changelog in the release in the show notes, there's a lot of changes that are marked as breaking changes. So I think there's in the order of 20-something of these breaking changes in the commits that went in. You know, that seems like a high number, but if you actually look at the detail... Most of them are really small and will probably not be breaking for 99.9% of, of node users out there. There are things like tiny little changes like putting a slash on the end of a path, you know, fixing some API that was a little bit wonky in the past. So we call them breaking changes, but they're usually nothing to be scared of. And the fact that, that, the, that the time gap between version 4 and 5 has been quite small, the number of real changes, big changes, is actually quite small. The major thing that people will probably notice is the new version of V8. We've gone from V8 version 4.5 to 4.6. Got a few more ES6 features. and Actually, no, that's probably not the major thing. The major thing really is going to be NPM3 because the V8 changes are not as huge as the NPM3 changes. NPM3, we released a while back, but of course, a lot of people get their new NPM updates through updates to Node. So this will be the first time many of you are seeing it. It was a rewrite of the in install path for all of NPM. And it brings a couple of like major improvements. So first, it brings maximally flat node modules folders, which means that it will still nest if it has to, if there's like incompatible versions requested. But otherwise, it's going to give you a flat node modules folder. And this means that like Windows users who've been struggling with node modules folders that they can't remove because Windows doesn't like paths beyond a certain length, and NPM was cavalierly creating them, we'll no longer have that problem. With new installs, they'll have these much flatter directories and should just work better for them. Actually, the first thing you'll see is that it has a progress bar, which is, you know, it was one of the very first feature requests Isaac ever had, and, you know, it only took like three years to, to get around <laughs> to adding it. The major breaking change in NPM 3 is peer dependencies, which they now warn if they're missing, but that's all. And it used to be that NPM would try to install them for you if they were missing, and it wasn't very good at this. And this ended up causing more problems than it was worth. And so just, you know, warning if they're missing, they're an assertion that says, you know, this is a plugin for this other thing, so you really need to have that if you want to use this plugin. We think that's going to work a lot better for people. One of the other things that came out of the rewrite was that 
if you have a broken or incomplete node modules folder, like some things were deleted from it or an install failed partway through because it hit a native DEP and you didn't have C installed, it will now actually go through and, and fix that up if you run npm install again later. This also means that like if you run into a bug in npm itself, often running npm install a second time fixes the problem. That's nice for me, like letting you actually get on with your job. That's most of the stuff that you'll see in, in npm 3. The rest of our work on it in you know the past couple of months has been bug fixes and stability fixes. It was a major, major rewrite. And so it's still, I wouldn't call it as stable as npm 2 yet. It's also still a little bit slower. So those are both things that we're continuing to address over time. I think it's worth mentioning, though, that if people used earlier versions of npm 3 and were concerned by the speed, you have made improvements in that area, haven't you? That is true. We were using a dependency which was going entirely non-linear so that like, on large trees, it could take 15 minutes to do an npm ls. And that was reduced down to like 30 seconds. That was a huge improvement. If you used earlier versions of npm 3, you'll find that it's much faster now. It's still not as fast as npm 2, but it's a lot better than it used to be. Do you, have, do you have any performance tips that you can share with us when when you've been debugging and fixing well, speed in npm 3? Well, I mean, you, like like this one, it was it was literally like one library. And so we debugged it just the way you would debug anything else, which is, you know, you start boxing your code and doing a binary search through your code for where is all my time being spent. In this case, it happened to be Lodash's deep clone function because it was having to check for object cycles in the data structure it was cloning, it would just make a list of every object it had ever seen. And so every time it would go to clone another property, it would scan that list to see if it had ever seen that property before. And so that list just got longer and longer as it went through. So it was really apparent once we found it. And actually, I believe it's something, I don't know that there's been a new Lodash release with the fix, but the fix is in the Lodash repository now. So we ended up just writing our own tree cloning function that was very specific to our use case. You know, as far as like the deeper performance issues, well, they come down to, you know, at the moment we're extracting some tarballs, maybe extracted multiple times, can reduce that to one time and that'll speed it up. I don't know. I approach performance tuning for this kind of application very much the way I approach any kind of debugging. I think having more users, I imagine, will give you additional feedback and, uh, yeah. and let you understand what the what the best targets for improvements are. So having this in version 5 is probably going to be a big boost in that. Oh, for sure. Just since version 5 has been released, we've seen a huge uptick in feedback from users, and it's been very helpful. We've tracked down a couple of bugs that we had gotten like vague reports on before, and we were able to get specific enough bug reports that we could actually like isolate the bug and fix it. So it's been fantastic. It's probably also worth noting that NPM was, is regularly updated in Node Core nowadays. So Cat yes. puts in pull requests for version two into the LTS branch, and Rebecca puts in pull requests for version three. So we get to benefit from the NPM improvements with each Node Node version as well. Do we want to take a second to talk about the new ES6 isms that are available in Node Five? These uh, spread operator and new dot target, or by just yeah. saying that, have I actually covered everything that needs to be said? I think it's worth targeting these, looking looking at, uh, at at what what's in them, because people love ES6 features. Well, a lot of people love them anyway. 
for those of us that have got so old that we sort of just want a bit more stability in our language, but they're a significant portion of our community that are very keen on the changes coming in ES6, so we should dive into them, I think. The, the most interesting one that's in V8 version 4.6 is the spread operator, and, and I can see this being occasionally useful. The problem I have with it is that it's not, it's not entirely clear what's going on when you're just reading the code but maybe we'll get used to seeing this in, in our code over time. So a spread operator is where you prefix an array with uh, three, what do you call it, periods. So it's like an ellipsis in front of an array. And that what that does is it expands the array in places where you would normally have to supply the whole array. The, the obvious place to use that is in function arguments, where you can call a function that would take multiple arguments with just an array, but you provide this little spread operator in the, at the beginning, which expands it out to take each element of the array and apply it to an argument of the function. And that's interesting because it, it would make function.apply redundant in many places because you don't need to call a function with an array using apply to get the, array, the arguments expanded. You just use this spread operator and then you get expanded automatically. Other places where you can use it are in like destructuring. When we get the destructuring operator, where you can pull out elements of an array into a new array. I don't think we can do that yet in plain V8, but uh, we'll get there soon. And there's a couple of other places you can use it, but the spread operator will be interesting when it starts showing up in code because it brings a whole new type of structure to to how we execute code. There's, a, there's there'll be a link in the show notes to the MDN docs on the spread operator. And the other one that's in 4.6 is the new dot target property. That's that's V8 4.6, not Node 4.6, obviously. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So Node version five. Let's just say Node version five. So new dot target. This is an odd property, and I don't know the background of exactly why this was introduced. I can sort of have a guess, but when you're inside a function, the new operator now has a dot target property, and it tells you the constructor target of the function if it was called with new. <laughs> so, so basically you can use this to tell if a function was called with new or if a function was called just as a function. If you look at new.target while you're inside a function and it's undefined, it means it wasn't called with new. If you look at new.target and it's got a function in there, then that means that it was called with a constructor, with the new operator. That's going to be an interesting one when it starts showing up in people's code. You're going to be yeah, looking at it and go, what? What is this? So the thing I actually really love about new.target is that nobody listening to this podcast even knew it existed until 30 seconds ago. But tomorrow, they're all going to be using it everywhere. We're going to see it in everyone's code because you find out about something new in ES6, you have to start using it within 45 minutes. It's the law. It's the law. Yeah, wow. Okay. <laughs> That's a, it's a scary so new world. There are also some uh, TLS improvements that I suspect that you, Rod, would be the person to talk about those. Yeah, that's a bit unfortunate that I'm the person to talk about it because I'm no, no crypto expert. We were hoping to have someone on this show to talk with more authority about it, but I can take a, a stab. There's two main things that stand out in the TLS improvements, and they're, they're not performance improvements like we normally have, even though there have been performance improvements under the hood. The first is the introduction of ALPN into exposed from OpenSSL into Node. So when you create a Node server, it can actually talk ALPN with its clients. ALPN stands for, stands for Application Layer Protocol Negotiation, and it takes over from the previous implementation of this kind of thing, which was NPN 
not NPM, NPN, which is next protocol neg negotiation. So Node has supported NPN for a little while. I expect that over time NPN will be de deprecated by the community, although it's used pretty heavily out there in various servers, so it's going to take a while. But ALPN is the new thing. And ALPN lets a client and server have a negotiation about which protocol should be used. And it's done rather than at the transport layer, it's actually done at the application layer. So the application can be involved in that negotiation. And one of the reasons why this is interesting is it's actually one of the prerequisites for getting to HTTP version 2 because it heavily uses ALPN. The Google implementation of HTTP 2, the early ones, um, Speedy, used NPN, I believe, and then they up to ALPN and HTTP2 is gone with ALPN. So whether that means we'll see HTTP2 in core or not is not a given, but it's certainly interesting. So check out the docs on ALPN and use it for your servers because it's uh, the new hotness. There was a flurry of, of OpenSSL, or actually just SSL and TLS security bugs that were found earlier this year. And one of them was the, the name given to it was Logjam. And that was a way of exploiting short Diffie-Hellman keys to intercept traffic. So one of the ways we're working around that in Node Core is by restricting the key size for DH. So there's now a new option when you create a new secure channel where you can actually specify the min DH key len. That's the name of the property. It defaults to 1024. Ideally, I think it actually should be probably double that because there has been reports of some exploits against certain key lengths lower on that range. So the, the default is, is better than it was before. The default before was like 768, and that was kind of terrible. Upping to 1024 is, is, is a good thing there. So that's default, and you can tune that with that new property. Have a look at the docs for that to see how that might impact you. But mostly it, it's just something that just changes under the hood that you won't have to worry about. But you can tweak if you care about this stuff. Node Core is taking care of your crypto needs by setting ideal defaults. And I think I'm, I'm really proud of the, the work that our crypto team has done in coming up with good secure defaults. When you start a node HTTPS server with the default options, it's actually really secured by default now. So there's, there's a group of people that, that bike shit on this stuff and come up with amazing defaults and that compromise on security and usability and meeting all the needs of the different clients out there. So it's good stuff. The industry standard sort of for evaluating a generic SSL TLS server is SSL Labs, I think it is. And if you fire up a vanilla Node 5.0 HTTPS server and point the SSL Labs online evaluator at it, you get an A plus is the grade you get, I, I believe, or maybe just A, but I think it's A plus. Anyway, I think it's A plus, and that's and that's that's really good. If you've ever tried to get an A plus on that, just with an Nginx or HA proxy or other server setup, it's not it's not easy. Um, yeah, and the was, fact what, that Node comes out of the box with this is is really good. Whatever your favorite HTTP slash HTTPS server is if you fire it up just out of the box with the defaults and point the SSL Labs evaluator at it, it will not get an A+. But I'd like to introduce the Node Up lightning round. I'm just going to throw out some questions and topics with no context, and our guests will talk about them extemporaneously. You might ask, how is this different from non-lightning round segments of Node Up? And the answer is, it is not any different from the other segments. Rebecca, can you talk to us about the NPM major release cadence? 
Well, there isn't a release cadence for NPM majors. NPM itself has a weekly release cadence, and NPM majors will happen whenever we've decided that we need to land a backwards incompatible change. This doesn't mean that they're big changes, though. So these are likely to be very small things. One of the things I didn't mention with the NPM3 changes is the kind of thing that's likely to show up in these in the future. There's a rarely used field that you can put in your package JSON called engine strict, and that was deprecated in two and removed in three. And so that was a breaking change that affected almost no one. So that's what I would expect future NPM majors to look like, at least for the immediate future. Node 5.1.0 should be out very soon, like any second now. What should people know about Node 5.1? I don't know. Rich, what do you think they should know about 5.1? I don't know. If I knew, I wouldn't have asked. <laughs> I would have just said it. Okay. Okay. So the, the main things in 5.1, it's, it's, there's a lot of commits in there. A significant number of them are commits for tests and docs, as usual. We have, now that we've got the number of contributors, both people who have got collaborator status and just people who contribute one-offs, is that we get a lot of documentation fixes and improvements. So docs is, gets even better with each release. Tests get better. The interesting things coming out of this, there's an upgrade to HTTP parser. There's been a bit of work going into HTTP recently with a, a new HTTP working group that's spun up that's talking about how to improve and even maintain the HTTP implementation in Node Core. That's quite interesting. If you're into HTTP and you want to contribute, there's a check that out that working group. There is an upgrade to NPM to 3.3.10. 12. 3.3.12 we're getting to with this one. The there's been some work on async wrap, which is something that Trevor Norris has been working on. Async wrap is something that can be used to inspect and look at the async activity across the async boundary. So it's pretty low level and it's not documented yet and that's because it's still been in development pretty heavily recently. But Trevor is working towards making this stable and documenting it. So that's a whole new API that will be exposed in documentation and be you know, usable very soon. So there's a few changes to that going in. And then mainly there's just a you know, collection of fixes and, and improvements. Yeah, it's it's just a, it's supposed to be just a regular release. It's been delayed because because of Java, surprisingly. We've had to react to a security problem with Jenkins and our whole CI and build system has been pretty much rebuilt from the ground up and that's taken a bit of work. So when are we rewriting Jenkins in, in JavaScript? You know, we've been talking about that since even before IOJS and there's a bunch of us that really want to do it, but you know, it turns out that we're kind of busy with uh, shipping Node. Yeah, it turns out that that's kind of a big a big project. Yeah, yeah, Jenkins sucks, but there's 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 no great alternative to at at its level. <laughs> it's the worst option for continuous integration, except for every other option out there. That's true. Yep. And if you want to bike shit on that, then you should join the build working group because we we like to bike shit on this. I might actually have to do that. Canary builds. Do we have them? If not, why not? We need them. And if we don't, why? We don't need those. Okay, how do I answer that? So the fact is that we're going to be locked to V8 version 4.6 for the next six months. Until we get Node version 6, where the stable version of Node is just going to have the same version of V8 with fixes along the way. But that's not good enough for a lot of people. People want new V8. So Canary builds, we're not sure we're going to call them Canary builds, but we're going to have a stream of, of probably automatic releases that come off our master branch 
that maybe come out weekly or you know some regular cadence and that will include all of the breaking changes that are not going into version 5 that are being held up for version 6 and it'll contain those V8 upgrades so if you want to stay on the cutting edge of, of Node then you'd be able to use these Canary releases the problem you'll have is that native add-ons are going to have a hard time keeping up with this so if you have anything compiled in your in your chain then you're either going to have to go and help maintain those things or put up with the fact that they don't work. It hasn't been sorted out yet. We haven't got a Canary channel, but this is something that's high on our list because V8 version 4.7 is around the corner. It's ready to be merged as soon as it goes stable on Chromium, and we'll have some builds out for people to play with. Rebecca, how about you? Have you rewritten Jenkins in JavaScript in the last 45 seconds? Alas, no. I've accidentally written CIs at previous jobs, but I wouldn't want to do it again. <laughs> okay. Is there anything else we need to discuss in the lightning round? Maybe, Rich, you can tell us a bit about some of the working group activity that's gone in, in, in the Node project, because you're, you're a bit more active in some of the newer working groups. So do you want to tell us about new working groups that are starting up that people can get involved in? I don't know about new working groups necessarily. I, I, I think that people who are looking to get started with a working group might find the evangelism working group a pretty good place to to get your feet wet. I also think the uh, website working group is a, is, a, is a nice one to get started with. I'm not sure what they're doing these days because I'm not, I, I was never a member of this working group, but the documentation working group is also a great place to get started. Uh, you know, there's a lot of places to contribute in uh, Core. You don't just have to be a, a low-level C++ hacker to, be, to contribute to Core. We have all these working groups spinning up all the time that are looking at different aspects of the project. There's a lot of ways of getting involved. Yeah, actually, at the SF Node meetup a week or two ago, I gave a, it was supposed to be a 30-minute talk, but it was really like about a four-minute talk about getting started with Node by just diving into the tests. And that's up on YouTube somewhere if someone wants to see like me talk way too fast in public. It's pretty fun. Actually, that, that's my plug. That'll be my plug. I'm plugging a YouTube video of me because I'm a narcissist. We should all plug something, and I would like to hear what Rebecca wants to plug. My esteemed colleague Kat is off on vacation and conference tour in Japan and Korea right now. While she's been there, she's been polishing up a, a project of hers, which is this cool parser combinator for uh, JavaScript called Mona. And it's the same idea as like Parsec and Haskell, if you've heard of that, except it's in JavaScript and it's documented in human languages instead of strange Martian languages. So it's really easy to use and it's easy to understand. And it's a cool way to try out this technology. I'm a big parser person. So, you know, anytime somebody writes a new parser library, I'm all over it. Check it out. Cool. Rod, what would you like to plug? I was just looking at Motorola while Rebecca was talking. That looks fascinating. Should definitely check out Mona. I'd like to plug a project that our team at NodeSource has been working on called NSolid, and it's a node platform that ships with performance monitoring and some inspection facilities. It's, it's enterprise-focused. It works best with clusters of node processors. It's really awesome. I'm really proud to be involved in the, in the NodeSource team that has helped push this out. So have a look at nsolid on nodesource.com and get in touch with us if you need to run big deployments of Node and have the kinds of cool features that nsolid lets you have. Awesome. Check out nsolid. Check out Mona. 
And also check out Node.js Interactive, which will happen in Portland, Oregon on December 8th and 9th. Go to interactive.nodejs.org. A lot of tickets have been selling for this. It's going to be a really big event. A large portion of the Node Source team is going to be there, even if I'm, I don't end up being there. There's the, I've seen the speakers list. Um, the, the schedule looks amazing. It's going to be a great event. It's a particularly good event if you have trouble justifying to your boss getting to one of these community conferences because they're a bit too community and they don't really have business outcomes. Node.js Interactive is basically bundled for those kinds of situations where you want to get a whole team along. So. You should uh, definitely look into that before the tickets all sell out. I want to thank our guests today, Rebecca Turner. Thank you. And Rod Vag. Thank you very much. Follow NodeUp on Twitter. If you'd like to sponsor NodeUp, email nodeup at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Bye. <laughs>